hello, and welcome to Genderator. I'm your host, Jennifer Sanfilippo. When sheltering in place became a directive necessary to protect us from the spread of the novel coronavirus, domestic violence providers and mental health experts became extremely concerned. Sheltering in place is difficult for everyone, but for those who live with an abuser, isolation exacerbates an already volatile situation. Current statistics aren't providing a clear story. Domestic violence calls are up in some regions and down in others. Nevertheless, sheltering at home is a dangerous prospect for victims of domestic violence. While tensions mount, they have no outlet, no opportunity for a break, let alone the privacy to make a call for support or help. They may not even have access to a phone or a computer. They can become prisoners in their own homes. Today, I'm joined by Lisa Nolan, Director of Prevention Education at the Willow Domestic Violence Center in Rochester, New York. Lisa is here to talk about this important public health problem. We'll discuss what constitutes an abusive relationship, the resources available for those who are in an abusive or dangerous relationship, and what you can do to support a loved one if you suspect they are a victim of domestic or intimate partner violence during the pandemic and into the future. I'm going to stray a bit from my normal format by providing the numbers for resources and support before the interview. The National Domestic Violence Hotline toll-free number is 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. These lines are staffed and open 24-7 for anyone nationwide. You can also access their chat lines, which offer the same support as their hotlines, at www.thehotline.org. You can connect with their staff by texting LOVEIS to 22522. In New York State, if you are a victim in need of support, you can also reach out to the staff at the Office for the Prevention of Domestic Violence via text at 844-997-2121. You can chat with them by visiting their website at opisandpauldvisandvictor.com. Dot ny dot gov. All services are confidential and are available 24-7. For Monroe County residents in New York State, the number for Willow Domestic Violence Center is 585-222-7233. Willow's hotline is staffed and open 24-7. The center also has a text line. That number is 585-348-7233. Their website is www.willowcenter.org. You may find all these numbers and links on my website landing page at www.generator.com. That's generator with a J. You can store these numbers in your phone using a different name if someone has access to your phone. Also, if accessing by website, be sure not to leave your search history behind. And now, my conversation with Lisa. Lisa Nolan, welcome to Genderator. Hi, thank you for having me. So you're speaking to me from your home office, and I understand you have children and a husband. How has telecommuting been working out for you? Well, I think like many folks, uh, telecommuting has been tough um, in trying to figure out how to do it. 
and when to do it. So I do have three uh, small kids, so we're trying to keep our two oldest on track with school and on the ball, and then our littlest one is three, and we're just trying to keep him entertained and not smashing our house a bit. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, just trying to keep up with work, too, you know, trying to keep up with the volume of emails and calls and Zooming and staying in touch with everybody who's here and being there for the people who need us. So it's been a weird mix. Every day is a little bit different. But, you know, we're getting through it, just like everybody. We're figuring it out day by day. Oh, my goodness. The stress of, of all of these complications has is, is got to be unbelievable. How do you take care of yourself? Self-care is really important. And I'm actually very lucky to work here at Willow and have this be happening at this time because self-care is a value that we have here at Willow that is really uh, high on our priority list. We talk about self-care and talk about what we're doing for ourselves all the time. Even in this crisis with COVID-19, it's easy to reframe my brain to say, okay, what have I done for myself today or this week to help me take care of myself? I do things like go for walks, walk the dog. We spend a lot of time hiking um, and in nature um, and just connecting with friends, checking in on people. You know, I'm doing things pretty much every day to keep up with my self-care, but that's pretty routine for us. That sounds very soothing in, in, in light of thinking about your three-year-old smashing your house to bits. <laughs> that hike just actually yeah. centered me visualizing that. Can you tell us a little bit about Willow and the services you provide? Absolutely. Willow is the licensed residential and non-residential provider of domestic violence services here in Monroe County. And essentially what that means is that every county in New York State has to have a licensed provider. We're that provider from Monroe County. We have other providers here who are wonderful and awesome partners, but we're the licensed ones. So our services and what we do, we have a vast number of services. Typically, when people think about us or hear about us, they think of shelter, that if something is happening, that we have an emergency shelter, you can call us and be able to get in and be safe. And that's true. We do have a shelter, and it's beautiful and wonderful, um, but we have a lot of other services as well. We do counseling. We do group counseling. We have a court program, which is still open. So if you need an order of protection right now, that process is still operational. Those courts are still open. That's uh, um, important do. to know, actually, that the courts are still open and hearing cases. Yeah, absolutely. The courts are still open in, like, limited capacity. So if somebody needs an order of protection or is seeking an order of protection during this time, call us, call our hotline, or they can call the courts and ask about the process of how they get in to do that um, order of protection. They can physically still go down to the courthouse or we can help them facilitate that process in a different electronic way. And our hotline number here at Willow is 585-222-7233. We also have a text line, and that's 585-348-7233. Both of those numbers are 24 hours a day, and it's always one of our staff members, a human that answers that phone. It's not an answering service. We don't call you back. It's our people immediately once we pick up the phone. How do you define domestic violence for someone who's home in a stressful situation, maybe similar to something that you described when we started the conversation, telecommuting, kids are there, partners there, Mm -hmm. uh, the stress is mounting, the finances are being challenged. How How does someone know that 
they need protection? How do you how do you define that? Great question. So the definition of domestic violence that we use here at Willow is that it is a pattern of behavior that is aimed at gaining and maintaining power and control over a partner. So there's a difference between unhealthy relationships and dangerous relationships. Unhealthy ones are the ones that just suck, right? These are the ones that they're not going anywhere. They're not usually very happy. People aren't having their needs met. But those relationships are safe. Nothing dangerous happens in those relationships. Mm -hmm. The worst thing that tends to happen in an unhealthy relationship is that we get our heart broken. Mm -hmm. Getting your heart broken Mm -hmm. doesn't kill you because if it did, the whole world would be empty. Does it suck? Totally. Absolutely. You know, these are the relationships that make us feel all kinds of feelings that we don't like. The difference in the dangerous relationship is that there's danger. There's not safety. And we're talking about emotional safety, that somebody is harming me emotionally, is berating me, is calling me names, is putting me down, is embarrassing and humiliating, is threatening me. Even if those threats don't have uh, consequences behind them or even if they're not acted upon. Things that we hear pretty often are, oh, you better not do that. Or if you do that, then X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. Those might not come with an action at the end, but it's a threat nonetheless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, um, that danger comes in physical violence, too. You know, all the things that you think about domestic violence in your head immediately. It's, you know, the hitting, the kicking, the punching, the spitting, the biting. All of that stuff is dangerous. So there's, there's that distinction between unhealthy, it just stinks, and it's really stressful right now, and we are trying to figure this out, mm-hmm. and perhaps we're not doing it in the best, healthiest way, and danger where I'm not okay. Emotionally, I'm being cut down, and physically, perhaps I'm being harmed as well. Is uh, being emotionally abused as damaging and dangerous as being physically abused? We often hear from our survivors that we work with that the emotional abuse and the damage from the emotional abuse is much more traumatic and much more long-lasting than the physical abuse. Our bones heal, our bodies heal typically, but that emotional piece stays with us forever. That's the type of stuff that doesn't go away when you think about whether or not you're worthy of a healthy relationship, whether or not you are enough the way that you are. Can you really do this? Do I have confidence in myself? Because in an abusive relationship, typically an abuser will break that down, and that is a very, very hard thing to gain back, and it takes a long time. And once those seeds of doubt are planted in our brains, Sometimes it's almost impossible to remove them. So that is actually the emotional abuse and the verbal abuse actually um, we see does much more damage to survivors than sometimes that physical abuse does. It has to be crazy making. I understand often, and you can educate me, partner abuse, a lot of it has to do with power. And if you're tearing someone down psychologically, then you're further able to wield your power over them. Is that correct? Absolutely. That, that power and control is where it all comes from. So, you know, the, the idea of domestic violence, when we talk about dating and violent relationships and domestically violent relationships, mm-hmm. people often think of that physical stuff first and immediately. But really what happens in the cycle of abuse is that we see that verbal and emotional abuse happen well before the physical stuff. And we can talk about how we get into these relationships to begin with. Mm -hmm. But we get into that relationship and it seems okay. And then that person starts breaking you down and they start using little tactics. 
So it's things like, you know, I don't really like your friends. I don't want to spend time with those friends anymore. So let's just do our own thing. And pretty soon you haven't seen your friends in forever Mm -hmm. and you've become totally isolated and they're out of your life. Mm -hmm. It's things like, you know, Lisa, if you just lose five pounds, if you just lose five more, then you would be pretty enough. Mm -hmm. Then you would look a certain way. Mm -hmm. You know that jealousy and possession. I don't want anybody else to have you. I can't be without you. That's the kind of stuff that starts. It seems okay in little tiny doses. Mm -hmm. But once we start looking at that pattern, it's really about the power and control. And so by the time the physical stuff gets woven into relationships, often we have survivors who are already broken down that when the physical stuff happens, they say, well, of course this happened. This is my fault. And I'm not good enough, or I should have done this, or this person loves me so much that, you know, I must have done something to cause this. Mm-hmm. So that that's where it starts, is that verbal and emotional. We talk about domestic violence, and we also talk about intimate partner violence. What is the difference in use of terms? Um, I mean, intimate partner violence recognizes that you don't have to live together. You know, domestic violence, typically we think about like married couples in a relationship. Mm -hmm. But intimate partner violence can be dating violence. We can be dating. We can be teenagers. Mm -hmm. Teenagers, age 16 to 24-year-olds, experience the highest rate of Mm -hmm. dating and intimate partner violence of any other group in the United States, Mm -hmm. 16-year-olds. So Mm -hmm. recognizing that this can be between anybody, Mm -hmm. um, anyone who has some kind of relationship is really, really important Mm -hmm. because we often discredit those dating relationships. Oh, well, they're just kids. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just 16-year-olds. How bad could it be? They can't really be in love, that kind of stuff. And when we brush that stuff aside, we've stopped looking at that relationship and we're not paying attention to the good stuff or to the bad stuff. And when the bad stuff happens, we say, oh, well, you know, they're just kids. It's okay. They'll get over it. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. Right. It's right. just as bad and it's just as dangerous for 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds as it is for a lady near 40 or a man in his 50s. Sometimes there's a stereotyping around uh, domestic partners being uh, heterosexual partners, but it, it can be same-sex partners, transgender partners, mm-hmm really anybody that has an intimate relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We see quite a bit of same-sex dating and domestic violence. Transgender, 50% of transgender people will experience dating or domestic violence in their lifetime. 50% is Mm. a huge number. Um, So no, this isn't an issue that discriminates based on who your partner is. It's also not an issue that discriminates based on where you're from. We see here at Willow, we see people from every single walk of life, from every single zip code in Monroe County, mm-hmm. people of every age, every ability, every sexual orientation, every race, gender, walk through our doors and ask us for support. So this is not an issue that is confined to one particular population or one particular group. I'm reading an increasing number of articles alerting the community to the potential of uptick in instances of domestic violence because of the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. I lifted this excerpt from Axios, it's a news outlet, this morning. It says, experts are convinced we are on the precipice of a domestic violence crisis fueled by anxiety, stay-at-home rules, and economic uncertainty caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. We have seen calls to our hotline and text to our hotline increase significantly. 
since um, social distancing and since staying at home. When you think about somebody who's in a situation in home, typically they're able to get out for at least little bits of relief, right? Mm -hmm. So they're able to go to the corner and get a cup of coffee. They're able to go grocery shopping or go to the hair salon or whatever it is to get some little bits of relief. Mm -hmm. But when we cannot leave, when we are stuck, those bits of relief are not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And when we go back to that power and control, I have all the power and control in this home. So now I'm not going to let you have your phone. Now I'm not going to give you accurate information about this disease and what's going on. Now I'm going to hold the health insurance random or ransom. So if you feel like you're sick and you need something, you're not getting that health insurance because it belongs to me and I'm going to take that card. So the issues that are present there are only magnified and being increased right now. The danger level um, and the severity of what we're hearing in the call store hotline is increasing the longer this goes on. Because if you think about, you know, how hard it is for me to be at home with my three kids and how stressful it is. And, you know, we have our ups and down moments, too. And we're pretty healthy family. Mm -hmm. If you think you've already started with unhealthy and danger, mm -hmm. we increase the stress, we increase the anxiety, when you decrease the funds that are coming in. Maybe somebody doesn't have any more because of this. Right. that makes the situation worse. Do you think people are afraid to call the police for fear of antagonizing or provoking their abuser? And, and they're also not sure then that the police are going to come because of all the sheltering at home and all the restrictions? Well, I think that calling the police is a question in and of itself. And, and yes, people are always afraid to call the police because will it make the situation worse? Will the police do anything when they get there? Will I be able to get an order of protection? What will my family, friends, neighborhood, community think if the police show up at my door? So that is always an anxiety and a, and a mm -hmm. fear for survivors. Right now, we're seeing um, calls a little bit lower to the police than they typically are related to domestic violence. And we believe that that's because there's just not an opportunity to call. Mm -hmm. So again, in those moments of solace that I can step outside or go to Dunkin' Donuts, that's the time that I might be able to work up the courage to call or be in a safe place to even make the call. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I got no safe places, so I can't even make that call if I need to. So we think that that's why calls to police are a bit down. Oh, interesting. So what would you uh, suggest to someone, say, who's listening right now, if they are afraid, if they are in fear for their health and safety of themselves, maybe the people they're caring for in the household, what should they do? Great question. So if you are in a situation right now and you are in danger, a few things that you can do for yourself, create a safety plan. If you don't already have one, now is the time to start thinking about that. And a safety plan is a physical safety plan. If something bad happens, how can I get out of here or how can I keep myself safe if something's happening? And it's an emotional safety plan, too. So even if it's not the physical stuff, if my abuser is doing things to berate me or humiliate me or cut me down, how can I keep myself emotionally safe during and after that? And thinking about kids. So if there's kids involved, same thing for them. Emotional, physical safety plan. If you have a safety plan, think about updating it. How has your situation changed? What do you need to change in your situation? Practicing that self-care as best as you can in these situations as well. What can you do to make yourself 
feel good about yourself? What can you do to keep yourself healthy where you are and survive the situation that you're in? You can reach out for help if it's safe. Again, our hotline number is 585-222-SAFE, that's 7233, and our text line is 585-348-7233. The um, National Domestic Violence Hotline is also a really great resource. Their website is thehotline.org, and they have a 1-800 number that you can call that's free. They have a text line. They have an online chat as well. They have tons of good resources right on the homepage of their website that are really great for anybody who's surviving a situation. If you are somebody who is trying to help somebody else or support somebody else who is in a situation that is dangerous, um, or is in a situation where you know that dating or domestic violence is happening, keep checking in with them. Don't allow them to be isolated. Send them text messages. Give them calls. Figure out a way to connect with them and just say, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? What do you need? How can I support you? The danger in some of supporting somebody who's going through this is feeling like we have to save someone. It's not our job to save somebody who's in a situation like this. Our job is to support people. Mm-hmm. We can make the best safety plans with somebody. We can do the best counseling, the best everything that we can possibly do, and something can still happen to them because if an abuser is going to have the determination that has to do it, they're going to do it. So we can't look at this as saving people. We have to look at it as supporting people. And even though that feels really, really yucky in our tummy because it feels like, well, how, how can just saying, what do you need? How can I support you? How can that be enough? But truthfully, for many survivors, just knowing that there's somebody out there who's safe, who's checking in on them and who cares, that can truly be enough for them to get through the day. Mm-hmm. It can be enough for them to make a call to a hotline or make a call to a police today mm-hmm. or seek an order of protection. Mm-hmm. So even though it feels to us like we're not doing everything we could be doing, Mm -hmm. truly that is the best thing that we can do is to keep that line of communication open to say, I'm here, I am safe, how can I support you? What do you need? Let's create a safety plan together even. That's excellent advice. I would not have thought of that, but to know that hearing those words and hearing that friendly, safe voice over the phone or through text really fortifies probably your confidence, I'd even imagine, and just adds that little relief for as much as someone might be tearing you down, hearing that one voice floating through, I'm sure, means the world to people who are in these it difficult situations. It does mean the world situations. to people to keep hearing that voice and don't give up. Even when you don't get a text message back, even when they're not telling you anything, when your gut knows that something is going on, Keep on it because when somebody is ready, that's when they're ready. And it's not for me to decide when somebody's ready or for you to decide. It's for them to decide when they're ready, if they're ready, Mm -hmm. that they're going to confide in you or they're going to do something. Mm -hmm. And what doesn't help them is the advice and the judgment. We say things like, oh, you just got to get out of there. That person is the worst. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we pile on all this judgment and advice, but we know that that is not helpful at all Mm -hmm. because our advice is garbage, right? (laughs) Um, I do lots of training um, with adults and with teens, and I ask them all the time, have any of you ever gotten advice about a relationship? And everybody usually raises their hands, and I say, how many of you thought that was good advice and you followed it? It It's a very few number of people. Mm -hmm. Because if we're not ready for the advice, or we think the advice sucks, it doesn't matter. And not only that, but it 
is judgment too. Because if I'm giving you the advice that you just got to get out of there or that person stinks, mm-hmm. that means that you're judging me in this relationship and I don't want to tell you any more about it either. Right. So keeping that judgment and keeping that advice to yourself, although that is extremely hard to do, yes. is really one of the best things to do in situations where you're supporting somebody. Just say, I'm here for you. What can I do to support you? What do you need? And then just keep checking in. Keep that advice to yourself. Get a therapist. Hmm. They're wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) For teachers who virtually see their students online through Zoom, however, is there anything that teachers should be aware of or looking for or concerned about that might be concerning for them with their students? Teachers and providers, so anybody who works with a client face-to-face generally, boy, they've got a tough gig in front of them right now because not only are they trying to figure out how to do this virtually, but they're trying to figure out how to keep people well virtually mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard when you can't see somebody or read their body language. You know, We're trying to figure out tone mm-hmm. over Zoom, and that's really hard to do. Yes. So I would say for teachers who is typically working with clients in person that again it's that check-in keep checking in with them if they disappear Mm -hmm. keep checking in hey where are you how are you doing if you know that they were in a relationship before this ask about the relationship we have this crazy idea in our head in society that we can't ask people about their relationship or it's none of our business Mm -hmm. it is Mm -hmm. because we care about their happiness and we celebrate the good things but when we think something is bad you notice how we just disappear and say "Mm -mm, that's behind a closed door we're not allowed to ask about that Mm -hmm. right but Mm -hmm. we're perfectly fine to eat that hundred dollar plate of food at that wedding now aren't we (laughs) so ask about the relationship say hey how's that going how is your partner doing with the isolation have you been able to talk to each other been able to see each other Mm -hmm. are you okay what do you need emotionally ask those questions i think this is a great opportunity to open that door and say, I'm not okay. Are you okay? Let's talk about how not okay we are together. Um, This is a perfect moment to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and ask Mm -hmm. about that. So for teachers and providers, keep checking in. Ask about their relationships. Notice things. Hey, I noticed you haven't uh, logged on to whatever web platform you're using, Seesaw, Remind, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past four days, what's up? You okay? Everything okay at home? Mm-hmm. I just want to let you know, if you need anything, I know it's far away, but I'm still here for you. Let me know. At Willow, are you seeing, are you guys at capacity in your shelters? And are you aware of what the capacities are across the nation right now? Well, we are typically always at capacity in our shelter. Um, we Our shelter runs full pretty much all the time, and we typically have a waiting list. Right now, it's no different for us. We have some different strategies that we have to employ because of social distancing and thinking about how to keep both our clients safe and our staff safe um, and healthy mm-hmm. regarding COVID. So um, that has certainly challenged us. We are seeing, you know, across the state that people are, are full as well. You know, mm-hmm. shelters are full. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's no kind of different than normal. But we are seeing a need that is great for services. Some things that we have not seen before are starting to pop up. So, um, you know, a tactic that abusers use is keeping basic needs from a survivor. So, you know, we're, we're living in this home together maybe, but I'm not going to give you tampons. You don't get those or you don't get any kind of medicine or 
today you're not getting any food because I'm not going grocery shopping and there's no food in the house. Mm -hmm. So um, we are seeing some of that kind of stuff pop up and we're trying to figure out how to get survivors that were in contact with some basic needs, shampoo and toiletries that they just don't have access to Mm -hmm. in a safe way. Mm -hmm. Whereas they might have been able to come to us before and we could give them those, they can't now because they're trapped. So trying to figure some of that kind of stuff out has been has been on our agenda. Are there things that the community can do to help you, to help Willow? The community can absolutely help us in in a bunch of different ways, really. You know, we have need for items, um, I think, like many other places do. So it's basic self-care items, um, you know, the shampoo and conditioner and soap and tampons and all that kind of stuff. So all the personal hygiene, personal hygiene items. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Personal hygiene items are important um, and needed right now. You know, we have um, gloves and masks and that kind of stuff and we have some on order but you know who knows when those are coming because Mm. Amazon and everyone needs them so you know we know that those go to medical providers first and we are happy to wait for them but you know our staff needs them and you know we're trying to send survivors out to the community with a supply as well so that they can be safe in their homes so any kind of that stuff that people have to donate and and truly making this part of the conversation would be so helpful to us so you know as you're out there on social media, post something about domestic violence, go to um, our website, which is willowcenterny.org, or go to the National Domestic Violence Hotline, thehotline.org. Find an article or just post a link to the homepage so that people know that we're here, that we're open, that we're available, and put this as part of the conversation. The longer this goes on, likely the worse this is going to get in the domestic violence world. Um, So to just raise that awareness that, hey, this is a resource, this is happening, we're thinking about you, is really important to the work that we're doing to let people know we're here and we're safe. It is a a tremendous service you are providing. And so for all the listeners out there, the services that you provide at Willow, you guys are open. You are open for business, for calls, for assistance. And the national organizations are open. No one is closed because of this pandemic when it comes to supporting victims of domestic violence, intimate partner violence. That's right. We're here. We are not going to close our doors. We are here and we want people to know that we're here. We want people who are surviving this to know that they're not alone and they don't have to be alone and that if they need support, whether that is a friendly voice to say, this isn't your fault, this isn't okay, you don't deserve this, Mm -hmm. On on the other end of the phone, if that's what you need, we're here for that. If you need an order of protection, we're here for that too. If you need shelter, we're here to help you figure out that too. So you don't have to be alone. We are here to help you. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. You're providing a tremendous service. Thank you for everything you are doing. I will again post on my website, genderator.com, all the links, the text numbers, the information, again, for anyone looking for either assistance or to support your organization. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate that you have given the time to talk about this. In general, this is an important issue, an important topic. And um, now more than ever, as we are seeing people more isolated than they typically are, but certainly when this is over or, you know, when we're back to a new normal, this is not an issue that goes away ever. 
keep talking about it, keep raising awareness. I know that a lot of people are affected by COVID, um, but if we break down numbers and look at this in a bigger scale, domestic violence is way higher than, um, you know, any kind of numbers that we likely will see come out of this. So keeping this in our forefront of our brains as an issue that will always be present is um, important. So thank you for taking the time to talk about this. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Lisa. For more information on the hotline numbers and websites, please visit my website at www.genderator.com. That's Genderator with a J. Thank you for joining me on Genderator. If you have questions, comments, or you just want to say hi, you can connect with me via my website as well. I'm thinking of you all as we find our own ways of coping with physically distancing while trying to feel the warmth of human connection. Wishing you all good health and meaningful connectivity.